This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, how you doing today? So we just finished up reviewing what Anna's got going on the last couple of weeks. Very impressive. What we're going to do now is we're going to talk about someone we both know is an amazing investor in his own right. I've known him since he was in the Silicon Valley doing one, two, three flip. Uh, Anna's actually partnered with them, I believe, on a deal, which she will share with you momentarily. And that is, of course, the great investor, author, Jay Scott. Uh, Anna, I know you've partnered with them, I believe. I have. We recently partnered together on a multifamily deal. And let me just tell you, Jay Scott wrote two of the first books that I ever read when I started flipping properties, The Complete Guide to um, Estimating Rehab Costs and yep. to Flipping Houses. And he is really one of the most genuine, smart, and funny people that I know. So to be able to partner with him ha has been a great experience on this recent uh, complex that we bought in Houston. Um, he's just a really great, really, really smart, intelligent guy. Yeah, and he's 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 always been that way. I mean, I think it's one, two, three, flip. It might have been flip one, two, three. I think it was one, two, three, flip. It was a site where he was essentially documenting deals before before you before video, right? He actually doc, I think it was 50 of his flips. He broke them all down by the numbers. You could go and see pictures. He actually gave me the idea for creating my own post, just talking about deals. I was frankly copying him. And then he and I uh, were both presenters at the original Bigger Pockets event by Josh Dorkin in Colorado, Denver. I want to say it was 07 or 08. Um, that was that was a pretty cool event to present at, uh, being being part of the first one. So I've known him quite a while. Yeah. So yeah, what awesome. I wanted to do was share with you a post. He he um, he doesn't post a lot on Facebook, but when he does, it's meaningful. When he does, he does it with intention, and he just kind of lays it all out. So what I did, so I protect you know my friends and families. I cut and paste, right? I copied the post, put it in Word, so we can go through it together without everybody knowing who my mom or my sister are. So I uh, I took it out of Facebook, but let me share this with you. And I thought we'd go through it together. Oh, no, this one. Great. Share. So hopefully you can see that now. Can you see that? I can. Awesome. So I thought we'd go through it together. It is rather long. But basically this post uh, kind of netted out is Jay Scott was highlighting, you know what? He's buying single family homes. He's buying single family homes with a yield. He calls it cash on cash of like 6.3%. We will see momentarily. And he was basically trying to highlight that, yeah, cash on cash is important, but it's not the only thing, right? He was, he was trying to kind of share all of that. So um, I don't know. Did you see this? You saw this post originally, right? This isn't the first time you've seen it. I did see this post. Yes, did I did. Any, I did, liked it. Yeah, me too. Did, uh, did anything jump out at you? I don't know if you want to go paragraph by paragraph or how, how should we, how do you think we should do this? Should we read this to folks and then stop at the end of the paragraph to talk about it? What do you want to do? Sure. 
Sure. So essentially, you know, the, the first part of the question, he's just saying, you know, people are asking, what is he up to and why is he buying a bunch of single family homes, right? Because he's done flipping and he's done some vacation rentals in Florida. He's done multifamily. Why is he buying single families? And he's purchased 17 single family properties. Mm -hmm. And even though he's bought these properties, the cash flow isn't great. And he's admitting that. Yeah. And so what I think the key takeaway there is, um, and again, Jay's a economy. He knows what's happening um, with interest rates and he understands inflation. And I did a great post on, on inflation and, and leverage during inflationary periods as well. Um, but essentially what people need to realize, and, and I hope that your listeners kind of take away at a high level from just the beginning, is that there's different types of deals for different people, depending on where they are in their investment journey and where yes. the economy is. And a lot of people when you talk to um, clients, you know, when you're um, helping your, your clients as an investment advisor, we essentially ask them three things. Are you essentially primarily looking for income? Are you trying to replace your income? Or do you already have your income needs met and you're looking for growth and appreciation? Or are you like in full out asset preservation mode, super low risk, and you really don't need a bunch of more cash flow, right? And then the fourth thing is what's your tax situation? Because yeah. taxes make a big difference in how you invest. And so one of the things Jay's going to get into, and we'll talk about this as we go through it, is that cash on cash returns are not all that there is. When we deal with real estate, the cash on cash is one piece of it, but we also have depreciation expense or we have mortgage pay down, we have appreciation over time. Um, and we, we have the ability to make those properties worth more. So it's just one piece of it where some people might go, man, if I can get 15%, why would I buy a house for six? Mm -hmm. It's because they're only thinking about one piece of the investment and not the whole thing. Yeah. And again, folks realize that Jay Scott is a real estate professional. If I've ever seen one, he's, he has multiple flows of income. He doesn't have a W2 job, right? So he, his, his tax profile is very different than a W2 employee. But again, he's he, what I love about Jay is he just he just puts it out there. It's kind of a dry wit. It's like here it is, and he's always been even since one two three flip. Here are the numbers. I mean, you, you don't you can't argue with numbers. Numbers don't have opinions, right? They they just are what they are. And again, he calls it out right up front. You know, he's buying these things with a with a cash on cash, what I call yield of six point three percent. I mean, that's kind of where he started, and that's going to set some people off. They're like, oh my God, Jay yeah. Scott's only getting 6.3%. I can get nine or I can get 12. Folks, read the right. whole post. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more right. here than right. that. Yeah, and you know, the first thing he says is he wouldn't have touched the deals a couple years ago or even a year ago. Well, why is that? Because a year ago, we were in an upward cycle. We were at the end of the expansion period where you didn't have to do everything right. Mm -hmm. And the rising tide lifts all ships. You can make more rent. You can make more cash flow. You can buy deals um, you know, fairly reasonably. Well, suddenly we've moved into this, you know, pandemic recession anomaly where housing prices are still kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. And, um, but interest rates are really low. And so what has changed for Jay is that the economy has shifted, right? Yeah. It's harder to find turnkey rentals, but there are still quite a few distressed properties and what he's buying are burrs again, yep. where he's buying them below value. And there's a lot of upside. He's got to fix them up or flip them, but instead of selling them because the interest rates are so extraordinarily low right now and they actually beat inflation, interest yep. rates are below 
the average three to 4% inflation, he knows that by getting long-term mortgages on these properties and holding them as rentals, the bank is taking that inflationary hit and he's actually making money by having a loan on a property. And he's going to create a lot of equity that he can then take out. Mm-hmm. And when he takes that equity out because he's, he's done the Burr method and increased the value, mm-hmm. now he essentially has infinite returns. If you just look at 6.3, eh, but yeah. he's taking the cash back out of them essentially having an infinite return and then taking that cash to buy the next one and the next one and the next one. That's exactly how I grew mm-hmm. and grew my wealth and my, my portfolio after 2009. So that, we're kind of back in that cycle where that makes sense if you can find the deals. Yeah. I mean, that's all I did in 2010. I recycled about, I don't know if it was 60 to 70 grand. I just used that same money over and over and over and over again. And was was doing two to three deals at one time because you use that with private money and then you clean it up and it's it just works. The other things I want to call out here again, realizing that Jay Scott is the man and, and you know bigger than the average Joe, he can't get three percent money, right? He just can't. So he's having to use portfolio loans, and you know they have amortization schedules of twenty or twenty five years. He doesn't care, right? He's like, this is what I have to do. I'm not going to whine and moan because I can't get a 3% loan. I'm going to execute because I see the opportunity. Right. And the reason that makes sense though for him, the biggest reason is because the rates are still low, even though they're commercial. Yep. Um, just for example, you know, on my primary home, I got 2.5%. On a secondary home, I got 2.6%. On my apartment building, we're going to get three and a half to 36 but there's, and that's with a, a, a small bank for 25 year AM, yep. but 3.6 is amazing. I mean, oh, yeah. a, less than two years ago, we locked in a commercial loan at five and we were doing a happy dance, right? Yeah. Because it was so low. So even using portfolio loans with a 25 year AM, um, you're still doing pretty well. And the burr is what really juices it to allow you to get most of your cash out. Yeah. I mean, that's the key. And of course, Jay, Let's be clear. If, if, J, if Jay ends up leaving 20 grand in a house because he can't refi it all out, he is totally fine. Some people during the Burr yeah. method are so skinny that if they don't get all the money out, you know, they're, they're, they're shorting a private investor or having to create a second or something like that. Realize, right. realize right. Jay going into a deal is entirely comfortable leaving some money in the deal. He would like it all back. Don't get right. me wrong, but he's comfortable leaving it in the deal if, if that's just how it works out. Right, because look at this. Um, look at this, Michael. He says he's got four hundred thousand in cash in his own deals, yep. and after the renovation, they'll have three hundred and sixty thousand dollars in equity. So it's almost a hundred percent return on their cash investment yep. um, if they were to turn around and sell it. But guess what? They're also going to leave a little in it, but they're going to get monthly cash flow every single month from these deals. Mm-hmm. So that six point three percent initial cash on cash return on the four hundred thousand. Once they pull some of that out, and he's not pulling all of it out, right? But once they pull some of it out, let's say he's got a hundred thousand still in it. Sure. You know, if you're making thirty-five thousand dollars a year in rents on a hundred thousand dollars left in it, you're at a thirty-five percent cash on cash return when you're mm-hmm. done with it. Yeah. So the the going yeah. in cash on cash, and this is where some investors make a mistake. They think that's all there is. Yeah. You've got to look at what's the entire life cycle of that deal. And what are all the pieces that it's going to make it a really slam dunk deal for me? 
Well, if you only look at cash on cash on the front end, you're missing the boat, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no question. And again, let's realize um, not everybody can repeat what Jay is doing, although none, nothing he's doing is hard. Just realize he's done the work. He's built the skill. He knows his market. He's not buying any deal just out of the MLS. He's buying the right deal. Realize that, again, he's giving you the recipe, if you will, but realize he has done work for decades to build up the skill set to identify deals and fixer-uppers that he can go in, buy right, fix, cash flow, and hold. Because again, what he's laying out here, his plan is to hold these things and let inflation come, let fixed rate debt, you know, get paid down. That's his plan when you kind of go through all of this. Right. And when you look at the fact that, you know, he believes, and so do I, that we are, after the government is done printing all this money and giving everybody money, we're going to hit a period of inflation, right? Yes. So property values are going to go up. And we talked about this a couple of, couple of weeks ago. You know, if you've got single family homes that, you know, or, or in anywhere other than kind of the boom and bust areas like Silicon Valley, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada, New York City. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you have properties in the average general, you know, growing populations in the United States, those values are going to go up. And so you've locked in this low rate and a mortgage amount that even if it's 80% leveraged, if your property values go up because of inflation and your rents go up because of inflation, but your mortgage payment stays the same, that yep. mortgage payment as a percent of your income um, that you're generating and the percent of the value is, is much smaller. So he's preparing for the next decade, not Absolutely. just for what's going to happen this year or next year or the following year. That's exactly what I took from this is, is Jay is preparing for the next decade. Because again, he's been doing yep. this 20 years, at least at least 16 years that I've known him, if not a full 20 years. Right. And right. Um, He's setting it up. He's telling you, I mean, he's just saying, this is the play I'm running. And, and you know, if you want to yeah. copy it in your market, go ahead. But again, I want people to realize he did a lot of work up front. And then what yeah. he's doing is just highlighting, hey, you know what? Basically, he has an income problem, right? He makes a lot of money off his books and all this other stuff that he does. He's doing quite well. He's, he's doing so well, he has racehorses now, which I always thought was, was that, that, was, that was an interesting kind of right turn when he did yeah. that. But it's a passion project, yeah. so, so good for him. Uh, but he's highlighting yeah. how he's saving, you know, these houses that he's buying is allowing him to have roughly $40,000 in depreciation deduction, which in his, you know, estimated tax bracket, you know, saves a real 12 grand. Right. And Michael, we talked a little bit about this um, a couple months ago. I think it was back in November. I bought a 10-unit apartment building yep. and I paid $100,000 a door. And in my market, $100,000 a door is a lot, right? Mm -hmm. for an older property. But the, the fact of the matter was, even though my cash on cash initially was low, just like, just like Jay's, it was going to be in the, you know, six or 7% range. Mm -hmm. I saved, and it's a long story of why, but the tax code has so many nuances. I saved $120,000 I would have paid to Uncle Sam by buying that property. <laughs> so if I had only the cash flow, other investors were like, I can't believe you paid a million dollars for that property. Are you the one that bought it? And I'm like, heck yeah. Yeah. Because the cash flow wasn't all that there was. There was upside. Mm -hmm. um, I knew I could renovate them kind of like this Burr method, yeah. raise the rents, put nicer tenants in there, higher rents. But the tax benefit was the main reason that I bought that property, even though you know it's going to do well and it's going to appreciate and the mortgage is going to be paid and all of that. So yeah. tax benefits are huge for real estate. Yeah, no question. And again, you know, Jay goes from there to like, oh, you know, Oh, by the way, folks, above you thought it was 6.3, but in reality, 
I look at it as, you know, once he's done the entire process, it's, you know, it's 19%. You know, what do you think of that? <laughs> I, exactly. I thought, I thought that that he has control of, yeah, not exactly. just one year the stock market's great and the next year it crashes. This is mm -hmm. like stable, I'm in control, right? And again, he highlights it right here. I thought he did. I, I forgot from above, but yeah, he talks about it. This is his thing for the next decade. Yeah. And where does he wrap it up? Yep. Uh, again, he talks about the hedge for inflation. Yeah, hedge for inflation. This is this this is why I'm adding homes as well. I actually put it on his post. You know, same strategy. This is why I'm focused on single family. I think there's a lot of things coming. Pay attention for video number three with Anna. I I, I have a little twist that I want to ask her about. Um, when we kind of wrap up Jay's post, any other kind of closing thoughts? Yeah, just one other thing um, that he points out, you know, they're trying to stay not, not leveraged any more than 68.5% LTV. Oh, good so point. the reason for this, I'm sure, and I haven't talked to Jay about this, but just knowing he's been through the ups and downs, right? He's been through at least yeah. a crash, maybe two, real estate, where people get in trouble is where they keep the keep the properties highly leveraged, 90%, 100% leverage. Because mm -hmm. if there is any cyclical movement in the values of those properties or in rents, you could be in trouble and upside down, especially people that have private money and hard money. Um, me personally, I'm very comfortable at 80% leverage when my rate's below 5%, when it's 5% or below. So he's being even more conservative than I am. But to, the, to his point, you know, he's, he sleeps better at night because his, his LTV is lower, right? Um, but he also is making more cash because his mortgage payment is less. Yeah. Where if I bought these properties, I'd probably keep it at 80% LTV on the new amount mm -hmm. um, because the rates are insanely low right now. And I'd sleep very well at night at 80% LTV. Yeah. And I also believe having 80% LTV allows me to have better um, protection against lawsuits going after my assets, right? Because I talked to an attorney at one point and they said, hey, if, you're, if your property's 80% leveraged, attorneys won't even go after it because it's going to cost them more to sell it to get to that money yeah. than, than it would otherwise. The biggest risk is when you have super low mortgages or no mortgages and a ton of equity in a property, mm -hmm. someone slips and falls, they break their ankle, they're suing you for the whole thing. So mm -hmm. just another little twist on it, not to disagree with Jay, because Jay yeah. is being prudent and wise to keep leverage low. Mm -hmm. um, but for me personally, everybody's going to have a different um, rate, you know, an LTV where they're comfortable and they sleep well at night. But, but it is, you know, an important piece of what he said. Yeah, what I'll wrap up with is actually kind of what I think the most important line is, is this is the business model that he's running with. He's adding net worth, generating great overall annual returns because it's more than just the upfront 6.3%. And in his world, he's building a great hedge for inflation that I think most experienced real estate investors see coming. So again, I love when Jay puts out posts like this. Uh, I can't imagine how long it takes him to write these because I'm sure it took him, I don't know. I'm guessing, I guess it took him a couple hours to put this together because again, he knows he's going to get picked apart by kind of both experienced and new investors. And if you go to it, if you go look him up, just look up Jason Scott on Facebook, find the post. And it's funny. You can see how people are replying. There's the newbies that are like making fun of him. that like, just like that read the first line and didn't read the rest. It's like, did you get past the first line? I mean, cause he lays it out. And then there's the other people going, Oh my God, I'm going to copy you. It's, it's, it's kind of funny to watch. Yeah. That. So the most important thing as a real estate investor, really, that I learned in the last crash was that you have to watch and study 
become a student of the real estate market and a student of the economy. And that's something that Jay and I have in common. And he's, you know, has, he's like way up here above where I am in terms of, of economic outlook and understanding. But it's something that is really important as an investor because things do change and they yeah. never stay exactly the same. And if you have one mindset and you're a one trick pony, when the market shifts and the economy it shifts, you're in trouble. <laughs> Yeah. So diversification is key. Listen, he's doing flips. He's doing buy and holds. He's doing racehorses. He's doing apartments. He's doing vacation rentals. And, and that's the kind of investor that I am and what we've talked about. You know, you look at where are there opportunities in your market? Where are the risks and how do you mitigate and hedge those risks? That is as important or more important than your returns, especially when you're in a recession. So listen to the wisdom of these people that have been doing this for a long time. Um, Michael, myself, Jay, you know, there, there's others. Don't laugh and think you know it all. Because as soon as you think you do, I did at one point. Yeah. I realized I have a lot to learn. And you can either learn from others that have been there mm-hmm. or you learn from more expensive mistakes that you make on your own. Yeah. And I'll just close with that last kind of thought. You're never done. I've been in this 20 years and, and I learned from all the experts like yourself, Anna, that I speak to Monday through Friday. Jay Scott is somebody that I will read anything he puts out, whether it's a book, a post, anything. I think he is just that good. And he's genuine. He's just a good dude. And his wife, Carol, as well, a great individual. Um, They're just wonderful people. So shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Scott. Thanks. Absolutely. Cool.